Well, good morning, everyone. So thankful you're here today. I'm going to move some of these out of the way because I like to move around a bit. Let me double check if I'm on. You can hear me fine. Great. Great. I'm Simon. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. And we are continuing our series, The Art of Being Human. And the idea of this multi-week series is for us to have an understanding biblically of our identity, our meaning, and our purpose in God's continuing story. And so I have been teaching now, this will be the second week, on our work and vocation, and specifically how our work, what we do, matters to God. And so I'm excited for that, excited to be here with this morning. Um, and thank you again for bearing uh, the, the terrible weather to get in here. Um, you know, I was saying in Austin, where I came from the last 10 years, the two most important things in your wardrobe, sunglasses and sandals. I don't think that's the case around here. That's right. That's right. We live in a beautiful city, though. I know we do. And one of the things that we've been talking about with this series is art, okay? And so I've just been so impressed with the city of Chicago. This is sort of a, you know, a, a, a different buildings kind of put together in one image. Um, but we really live in an extraordinarily beautiful, beautiful city. And I used to live you know, in another city over on the East Coast. It's supposed to be really nice. But the architecture, I promise you, in Chicago, I've just never seen anything like that. Do you agree? Yeah, it's a beautiful city. And there's even more towering structures coming up, uh, you know, to, that just look uh, incredible. The architecture is amazing. But I have to be honest with you one thing, and this kind of reminds me of what we read this morning in that familiar story, the Tower of Babel. When I'm in a city like New York or Chicago with all of its beauty and splendor, that has been built by men, I have a hard time really appreciating the presence of God. I do, because you're just surrounded by all these structures, these incredible things, and you know, there's a few buildings in, in Chicago that kind of do this thing, and you're like, how is that even standing up? Is that going to fall on me, you know? And there's names on the buildings that, you know, echo like just grandeur. And so I can see having lived in an urban environment before in my life, like it's kind of tough sometimes to be sensitive to the presence of God when you're surrounded by such man-made majesty. It is. And I think that's what was going on in our reading this morning in that familiar story, the, the Tower of Babel, which we looked at in Genesis 11. If you have your Bibles with you, that's great. Or if you want to look at the ones on the seat, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11, um, a little bit later, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to keep track. Um, but back again at that familiar story, Genesis 11. You have this moment, and it's early in the creation story. You know, if you're on your Bible, there's, you know, there's not much that's happened before that. But maybe it's a retelling of a familiar story that we'd heard before. This idea that mankind has come together with the purpose of glorifying himself. And this is a story that's been repeated over and over in the very short time since uh, creation. And so you have the whole earth, all the people coming together, and they had one language, and they had the same words, and they all came together from the east. They were there in this beautiful plain, I imagine. It must have been nice, because they settled there, but then suddenly they were like, whoa, somebody had this great idea for some new tech. Always exciting, right? When new tech comes out, and they're like, I got an idea. Hey, let's take those bricks, but like burn them. And you know what happens when you burn them? They get hard, and they get more useful, right? I'm betting this person figured that out by accident. Like, oops, left the bricks in the fire. So, hey, look, that works. Let's make some bricks. And then, oh, we've got this new stuff, and it's like a sticky black tar is probably most likely what it was. 
And between the two of these things, hey, we could really start to build some amazing structures. And so they gathered with their technology, binding them together with the purpose of doing something that had never been done before. We're going to build, uh, let, let's build a tower. In fact, let's build a tower so tall it reaches all the way up to the heavens, which reminds us back to where we started in this problem in the first place. Hey, I got an idea. Let's be like God. We can be just like Him if we just start to build this incredible, this incredible structure. So this advanced tech inspires community and pride, and they're unified then, and they start to see their endless potential. We'll reach up to the heavens, and we'll be just like then, God. Well, uh, God's not having much of this, to be honest with you. Uh, scripture says that He's there, and He looks upon this, it's like, this is not good. It's kind of like when you walk in and you see your kids playing with the scissors and their hair, and like they're, we're doing hair salon. You're like, no, 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 this is not good. Don't do that. He does the same. He comes and he looks at what they're doing here. No, this is not, this is not good. In fact, you know, as the word says, like, if we do this, if they continue to do this, they're going to think they can do anything. In other words, a little bit of achievements, and suddenly they're going to feel like they really are like God's. And so I think it's a merciful act that God stops them here. And you can see in the response in the Tower of Babel story, we have a story here where God comes down. And there's kind of a joke in there if you didn't catch it, like, hey, let's build this tower that reaches up to the heavens. And God has to come down to look at this cute little tower they're building. But he comes down to them. He confuses their language. And they are no longer then unified in that, and this is the origin of culture. And then he scatters them off into the four corners of the world, which is you know, why, how the earth got so populated. And, and here's the thing, as we focus on this story vocationally, thinking about our work, especially those of you that are you know, maybe manager types or, or, or you know, maybe owners of businesses, that kind of thing, think about this from a, a managerial or a, a work perspective. They never got to see that project finished. Like it says that, like he's confused their language, scattered them off into the land, and they never, ever got to see their work finished. Anyone ever have that frustration? Anyone ever have that at work? We're like, man, I've been pouring into this project for weeks, months, maybe years. And then funding changes, or there's a change of direction or vision, and suddenly you're like, wait, no, I was pouring so much time into that. No. But it doesn't just happen in our vocation work. It happens at home, too. I see it pretty often. Families, where we poured their hearts into raising up great kids. Oh, it's going to be so great because it's going to make me look great. My kids are going to grow up and they're going to do amazing things, get into the best schools, get the best jobs, and people will then look at us as parents and say, what did you do? Only to see it doesn't work out that way always. And always get into the best. And always live the best lives. And suddenly you're thinking, wait, I never got to see that work finished. Does this story happen over and over again, this Tower of Babel? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, don't even get me started on the, the cellular towers that, you know, stand all over us that were, were originally designed to bind us together in community. Remember that? We're more divided than we've ever been. But I think it happens over and over again. It's just our human spirit. We start to build up these towers that we think are going to make us look great. 
And in the end, they come crashing down. And we don't know what to do. We're confused. Maybe in this feeling of lost. I suspect that there are people here today, this morning, and you're hard at work at that tower every single day, thinking, this is it. I think it's going to hold. I think this is going to do it. Or maybe there's a few of you here today whose towers have recently come crashing down. You're like, what, what was that? Maybe there's a confusion. What do I do? Maybe there's a sense of scattering. I don't know where to go. If you hear that way, God bless you. Because I want us to hear the good news and the hope of the gospel today. I want us to hear that God wants to work in you and build in you something extraordinary. He wants to build his kingdom in us. I can't communicate that with enough passion and clarity to make it stick to your heart. I can't do it. So I'm going to pray. And let the Lord have his work with you as he's been working on me with this. Father, I thank you so much for your presence here with us and over us in your word. Lord, I pray that these ancient words would speak fresh to our hearts today. Father, it's about us allowing that two-edged sword to go deep in our hearts. God, let your truth fill us today. Help this not to be just a regular gray Sunday when we came to church. But Lord, let this be an awakening in our hearts in which we turned on to you God, who wants to build something new in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that any and all who are here today that maybe have been still investing themselves in that tower would find themselves with fresh perspective at what our work is. But Lord, I pray also for those who are here today who are recently experiencing that tower crashing down, that resetting, that Lord, you'd let us, you lead us through sometimes. Would you speak your peace and your comfort over each one of us? Start with me. Thank you for my friends gathered here, all for your glory and your name. Amen. Let me introduce you to a new word. Um, well, before I do that, I want to tell you about a, a quick dream that I had. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, um, but it's one of those dreams. You ever just have one that like really sticks with you? Okay. Because I really, I want to confess to you that this thing of like towers and pride, it, it happens over and over again, and I really feel like it happens over and over again in my life too. Like I constantly keep battling that, and I think the Lord is always working on me with it. But I had this dream where I was uh, being invited to speak somewhere, and it was a large gathering. It was supposed to be a really nice-looking place, right? It was packed. And I walked in, I went up to the podium, and I began to speak. And I was, like, so proud of the, the words that I had prepared and what I was ready to do. And so I just started to get to the first couple sentences, right? Well, then my, my mentor pastor, uh, a guy named uh, Tim, you'll meet Tim soon. He, he's still like a dad to me. In, in the middle of my first couple sentences, he comes up and he taps me on the shoulder, and he's like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. What do you mean? I'm not even done. I didn't get started yet. No, that's good. That's good. So I walk out the back, <laughs> uh, the, the auditorium, and then suddenly I'm in the alley, in the back of the alley behind this auditorium, and there's a pile of bricks and wood that are back there. And so I take off my jacket, and I start stacking the bricks, and I start chopping the wood, and I'm thinking to myself what I would have said and how I would have said it, and kind of bothered that I didn't get a chance to really offer what I had that day. And then I was done with that simple task, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll walk around the front. So I walked around the front of the building, and I came in through the, through the front door. And as I walked in, I was walking down the aisle. Everyone was standing up, and they were, you could tell they had been moved by whatever they had just heard. I mean, some people are wiping tears, and, and a lot, many people are praising the Lord and worshiping, and, and others, strangely, were writing checks, like offerings, right? And I remember walking up, like, what happened here? And someone looked over at me, and they said, you did a great job. Thank you. And I was like, well, I didn't do anything. I, I, never, I never did anything. I just went back and 
stack the wood and, and the bricks. But I feel like the Lord was telling me something in that, that it's not always what I do, it's not what we do, right? It's for His glory. He does the work. We're just supposed to be willing. So let me introduce you to this word. And it's throughout the story. It's in, ripe in the Scriptures. It's, it's a Hebrew thought word. It's called banah. Would you say that out loud? Banah. Hebrew scholars. I love it. And this, this word banah, it, it really means to build or to rebuild or to establish. Often it's used in construction of things, but sometimes in the idea of establishing a new family line, a new legacy, a new story. And it's a word that is, that is throughout the story of God, and, and it was actually in our word today when it said they were trying to build, they were trying to but then the Lord came and He said, no, this is not good. It's not good that they build. I think one of the key verses that helps define and understand this word banah is maybe a familiar verse to you, Psalm 127.1. Psalm 127.1 says this, unless the Lord banah, unless the Lord builds the house, those who try to banah labor in vain. And if you look at the way that kind of plays out. Vanity, is it vanity like they labor for themselves? Is they, do they labor fruitlessly? I think it's both true. They labor to themselves and they labor in an emptiness to themselves. But unless the Lord builds the house, those who are working, try to banah on their own, are just doing so in, in vain. So as we think about this idea of the Lord is really the one who builds, and over and over again in the Scriptures, Benah is associated with the Lord doing the building, not me, not you, not us. It's really the Lord who's the one doing the building. The Lord is the one that's doing the rebuilding. The Lord is the one who's establishing the family lines. And unless the Lord builds, those who labor, labor in vain. So I ask you this morning, as you've heard my story, as reflecting on this on your own, how's that tower coming along? How's that coming? Are you working on that? It's so easy for us to do it. We do it all the time. We focus so much of our life energy, just as they did in that story in Genesis 11, for our name's sake, so that people will look at our accomplishments at the end of our days and say, wow, you did it. You did a great job. But unless the Lord is building, we just labor, and it actually will end up being quite empty. How's that tower coming? Or maybe there is a few of you who are here today, and recently that tower has just been pulled down. And whatever that looks like in your life, and you're here this morning, you're like, I, was, I put so much time and effort into that. I, I thought it was going to hold, and it didn't. See, unless the Lord is the one building the house, we're just laboring, and, and, and it's really an empty and a fruitless labor. So what do we do? We're reminded again that banah is not just something that happens in Genesis 11. It's a, it's a word, it's a concept, it's a, a word picture that the Lord puts in the word constantly. And he, he's never leaving. He's always building and rebuilding. And do you think about when Jesus was speaking to Peter, who finally got it, finally was like, you are Lord. Oh, I get it now. And your will be done, Jesus. It was in that moment that the Lord affirmed him by saying, oh, Peter, you, man, it is on this rock not of Peter himself as the man, but it's on this rock of faith that Christ is going to build his church. 
Oh, you see that? That rock of faith. That's the substance that he's going to build his church out of, that rock of faith that puts us dependent on him. So what do we do when the towers come down around us? I was thinking about 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It talks about if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. Think about that. If the earthly tent that we've been living in, now specifically this is talking about the body, I think it's also our motives. If the earthly tent is destroyed, it's going to be okay because we have this building, this banal from the Lord. His house is not made with hands, by the way. It's eternal in heaven. And we know this because God has given us His Holy Spirit as a guarantee of that promise. It's with the rock of faith that God will continue to build His church. And when the earthly tent, the thing we've been pouring ourselves into, breaks down, then we will see it more clearly. There's a house that the Lord is building, and it's solid. And it's the rocks of faith that will build it up. You tracking with me? And in a stunning reversal, in a stunning reversal, this is what I love about the word, in a stunning reversal of what happened there at that tower in Babel so long ago, there was a day of Pentecost where the believers in Christ were together, but they weren't together thinking, oh, we're going we're gonna to run this town. Oh, man, we're going to build something great. They were there humble and together saying, Lord, use us. And they were there obediently. He said, be there, wait, and they were there, and they were waiting. And they were humble and hungry. And suddenly the Holy Spirit came down over them. Did you notice that? Tower of Babel, God came down. Pentecost, Holy Spirit came down, not to crush over what they had worked on, but to come over them, to enlighten, to fill them, to give them His Holy Spirit. And instead of confusing their language, He blessed their language. He gave them fresh opportunity to be able to communicate the gospel in ways that they never could before to people all around in different languages and different cultures. And instead of scattering kind of mindlessly over the world, no, he sent them out with intentionality. Go now into the world and preach this gospel. And instead of like those poor friends back in Genesis 11 who never got to see their work finished, he filled them with assurance of the hope that was going to come. It's a stunning reversal, and I love how the story works like that. He did it for them, and he'll do it for us. Because the Lord never stops building. He's always building. He's building His church. He's building a new heaven and a new earth that will be revealed to us one day. He's building and building and rebuilding. And even when we come to Him and we say, sorry, the thing that I was working on, the thing that I thought was going to make me feel special and important came crashing down, He will come near you. And He'll say, are you weary and heavy laden? Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take on my yoke, my work, my, my burden's light. It's easy. You see, he wants to rebuild in us that which is broken. He wants to build up his church, and the bricks are of faith. See, we tend to think sometimes of this call into kingdom, and it is a calling, 
God calls us into His kingdom, and it's easy to think that grace leads us into some kind of eternal vacation. And there's a part of it that's restful. There's a part of it that's peace. But the kingdom call that you've received in your heart that has you here this morning is not just a vacation. It's a vocation. God has work to do, and He has work to do with you and in you and through you. He's not done yet. He's still building. He's always building until that great and wonderful day when He reveals what He has built and we live there forever. Amen? Amen. He's inviting us into His work. You can see this in Ephesians chapter 2 when it says, So Christ came and He proclaimed a peace to you. There it is. There's that rest. There's that vacation. He proclaims a peace to you who are far off and a peace to you who are near. You can start to get an illusion of the idea of those, those poor friends in Genesis 11 who are scattered. He's like, no, no, Christ comes and He proclaims peace to you who are far off and peace to you who are near. For through Him, all of us, both of us, have access to one Spirit in the Father. So then you're no longer lost strangers and aliens. You are citizens with the saints and members together of the household of God. Built, benaw upon the foundation of the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, who with Christ Jesus himself, by the way, is that powerful, strong cornerstone. Did you see that? He's inviting you in with his peace from far off and far away. Those who have been scattered, he's inviting us to draw near by faith and to become part of something founded on the teaching of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself is a cornerstone. And it's in Christ that the entire structure is being joined together and grows, still at work, into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you, by the way, are also being benawed. You are being built right now together, spiritually, into a dwelling place for God. The call to kingdom, friends, it's not just a vacation. It's a vocation. It's a calling, and God's building His church, and He wants to begin building in you and me and with us together. I love that He's called me to this place. I love that He's called me among you, that I don't know all your names still. I'm working on it, but I look at you, and I see my brothers and my sisters, like He's building us together for the sake of His kingdom, this church to take its place among the other bricks that he's building to build his church. And he's not done yet. He's inviting us to work with him. And he wants to do a new work in you. He wants to do a new work with you. And he wants to do a new work for us. Until that great and wonderful day, which we all stand and marvel at the thing that he has built, a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be amazing. So I ask you, friends, as you're here this morning, how's that tower coming? Is it still standing? You still working at it? Or are you here this morning and that thing that you had invested in, that, that thing you thought you'd put up, whether it's family or work or vision or something, that you thought, this will give me significance, this will make my name great, and it's come crashing down on you. 
How's that coming? See, God has a grace for us that when we build and we break, He rebuilds. And He's calling us to receive fresh His grace today so that He can begin doing a new work in you and begin doing, begin doing a new work through you and beginning to do a new work with us that we become His kingdom for His glory always. Are you ready? Father, thank You so much for the inexpressible gift of Your grace. Thank You, Lord, for Your presence here with us today. Thank You, Lord, that You continue to build Your kingdom. And for those of us, Lord, that You call, You, we, you rebuild in us a new heart. And Lord, I pray that You would start to do a fresh work in us today. If we're here this morning, we're tired or weary or broken, lost, confused, Father, would You call us eagerly into Your grace. Fill us by Your Spirit, that inheritance we have that gives us full assurance of the work You're doing. And Father, begin to do a new work in us. Start with me. Go out to my friends here. Build up in us to be Your church, that we take our place alongside the other kingdom churches that are doing the same, trying to glorify You. Lord, help us. Help us. Call us. Fill us, we pray today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.